Well, good morning. Last sermon of the year. You made it. We start over again next week. So, uh, It's amazing um, that our Lord sustains us through his word uh, every week and reminds us of his goodness. Uh, and uh, my prayer is that he does that again today for us. Um, so would you turn in your Bibles to Psalm 91? <clears throat> and uh, I'll read the whole psalm and... There's something interesting that I want you to notice, even as we read. Um, notice how the psalmist changes, changes voice, as in there's times when he's speaking of himself, there's times when he's speaking to the readers, <clears throat> us, <clears throat> and also there's a change in voice uh, towards the end, and um, I'll, I'll leave that to you to guess who's speaking at the end. But follow with me as I read, uh, starting at verse 1 in Psalm 91. Also, um, I forgot to mention that it's in your pew Bibles, um, page 497, and in the bulletin on page 8. Psalm 91. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God, in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler, from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent, for he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and, and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will, I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Let's pray. God, what um, great words of comfort and care. Uh, that we have just heard from your word. Thank you, uh, God, for this um, the psalm here and, and really all your word and, and, you, and the salvation that you have brought for us in your son. And so now we pray that um, even as we uh, dwell here for a while, that you would uh, help us understand uh, the greatness of your power and the, and the wonderful God and, and refuge that you are for us. So 
So bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. One of my uh, most memorable moments in junior high uh, was reciting a poem with, uh, with a group of my uh, fellow students. And uh, that stuck with me because it was a poem full of action. It was based on a battle uh, in the Crimean War, the Battle of Balaclava in 1854. Um, and the title of the poem is The Charge of a Light Brigade. You might know it. It's by uh, one Lord Alfred Tennyson. And uh, it's a poem about 600 soldiers um, who were called the Light Brigade because they carried light equipment with them, uh, sabers or swords and lancets or little swords. Um, and they were going, um, their, their main objective was to do these missions that were quick and um, just to um, go and disturb the enemy as they made their advances. They were not uh, supposed to engage in, in full-fledged battle with cannons and guns. Um, <clears throat> so this band of 600 soldiers received instructions to, to charge against um, and a Russian battery of 50 cannons and 5,000 men. And someone made a blunder. Um, the order was sent not to charge that location, but another one. And it got mixed up in the chain of command. Uh, nevertheless, these brave soldiers, they got on their horses, they took their swords, and they charged the cannons. Uh, as you could imagine, there were many casualties. Um, and this is a part of the poem, uh, just a verse in the middle that I'll read. I, I don't remember it from memory, um, but thankfully it was on the internet. So here, here we go. Flashed all their sabers bare, flashed as they turned in air, sabering the gunners there, charging an army while all the world wondered. Plunged in the battery smoke, Right through the line they broke. Cossack and Russian reeled from the saber stroke. Shattered and sundered. Then they rode back. But not, not the 600. That's a battle, if there was any. <clears throat> and that's bravery right there. Uh, and sometimes you've, you've probably heard of it. And you've probably felt this way, that the Christian life is, is a battle. Uh, sometimes and it feels so overwhelming. Um, uh, you you might even feel like one of these soldiers sometimes um, when one thing of the after the other is is just going wrong and 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 your life is disintegrating. Um, well, that is true. But in our battle as Christians, there's one thing that's very different. Well, there's two things. First of all, our leader, the Lord Jesus, knows what commands to give. And he gives the right commands. And they're clear. And they come to us in his word. Thank God for that. Secondly, these soldiers, this light brigade, did not have cover. They were in, 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 a, in a narrow pass surrounded by mountains. And they were open to these cannons. And they could not hide anywhere. There was no hiding place. There was no place to take a breath and regain their strength and go back to the battle. They were completely exposed. But when God sends us into battle... Um, he takes care of everything. Um, in fact, he is a refuge, as we have just read. We have a refuge, and he's a perfect refuge. He's a complete refuge. 
from all our enemies. Um, do we have enemies as Christians? We have uh, quite a few, right? You may be thinking of, uh, thinking of particular individuals in your life, but I'm talking about something a little different. Uh, our enemies are the flesh and the world and the devil. The flesh, the world, and the devil. And, and um, they're, they're everywhere. Um, our enemy, the flesh, you know, you're talking about our remaining sin is, is within us, the remaining corruption that we have. Um, it's one thing to have an enemy out there. Uh, it's another to have the enemy uh, so close, right? And that's the flesh um, waiting uh, till for the redemption of our bodies when we will be completely free. But for now, we, we live with this enemy. Rather, this enemy lives with us. Um, and then you have the world. Um, such a nice, nice place. Uh, no, it's, it's full of distraction, temptation, and, and really rebel, rebellion against uh, the Lord Jesus and all his people. That's the world that we live in. Um, and thirdly, uh, if things couldn't get any worse, it's, it's the devil is, is the enemy as well. And he's commonly known in the Bible as the deceiver, the one who deceives um, and, and causes us to fall into sin by his various temptations and lies. Um, he's been doing that for a long time, uh, started in Eden, and he's still doing that. And not only he, is he the deceiver, but when we do sin, he is our accuser. He's known as the, the accuser of the brethren. Um, so uh, what do we do? What do we do? We, we are needy people. We need a refuge in this battle. Um, we need somewhere to hide and somewhere to heal as, as, we, as we plug along, right? As we tread along. So this, this psalm reminds us that we have a, a great refuge, a powerful refuge, a perfect refuge, a personal refuge. We have uh, a proactive refuge in God. And first, let's look at the promise of refuge in verse 1. And this is a wonderful promise that he who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. In, in a battle, you want, you want the best um, and most powerful uh, people on your side, and God is the Most High. There is no one higher than God, whether that be man, whether that be supernatural uh, forces, whether that be the devil. God is Most High. So he who dwells, and he who, that means he who comes to this refuge, a refuge in battle is there, it's no use till you go into the refuge and, and take that refuge. God is, a, is, is, is the perfect refuge and this promises for those who make their dwelling. They say, well, I'm going to stay here close to this refuge in this battle. This is what is going to get me through. And these ones who take refuge in God will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. Um, and you may be wondering, yeah, I mean, that's a no-brainer. But the word abide there is, is, is a little more than just being there. It's, it's resting through the night. Imagine in a battle, you can sleep through the night. I had a, a, friend, um, I have a friend who was in, saw some action in the army. And he told me, uh, he, we were talking in a group, and he said, there was a point where he was 
okay with four hours of sleep. Even after the action was over, he was, his body had just gotten used to four hours of sleep uh, every night. And, but God is a refuge where we can remain the night. We can rest. That's the kind of rest he offers us because he is powerful. He is the most high. He's also the almighty. That means he's more powerful than anyone or anything out there. There is no enemy more powerful than God. He is our refuge. And, and verse 2, the, the psalmist uh, makes this statement of confidence, of trust and confidence that my refuge, he's calling God my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. God is there a refuge for us if we choose to go and, and dwell in that refuge. Um, if uh, we find another refuge, it's not going to go well, so well for us. Um, but with God, He is the most powerful refuge that we could have. Um, and uh, the refuge is, uh, the, another word there used for refuge is fortress. It's like a mountain stronghold. Um, when, in peace times, um, in ancient times, in, when there were times of peace, people would live in the plains, um, do their, their farming in the plains, their life was in the plains, but as soon as there was an attack that was on the horizon, they would run for refuge, even to the mountains. And there would be fortresses in the mountains as well. And, and that's a wonderful place because your enemies have to climb up to get to you. You already have the higher ground. And you can shoot your arrows, you have a clear view, um, and you can, you can have a great advantage in such a fortress. And God is that kind of a fortress for us. He's our mountain stronghold. Um, a place for hiding and a place for healing. Um, not only that, but he's, he's our perfect refuge. If you see in verses 3 to 6, um, he's a refuge from all kinds of dangers. There's different kinds of dangers mentioned in these verses. Uh, there's dangers that are obvious and overwhelming, uh, like in verse 6, the second part, destruction that devastates at noon. In, in, in noonday, you talk about daylight robbery. This is daylight destruction, um, you know, that's going on around. Um, and uh, in that, he's our refuge. Uh, you also see in verse 5, the arrow that flies by day. Um, this is the heat of battle um, when there's, there's arrows flying around and, and swords and all those things. He's our refuge even in the midst of that heated battle. He's also our refuge from hidden dangers. There's some hidden dangers mentioned here. Verse 3, you have the snare of the fowler. If you, if you saw a snare, you wouldn't be walking into it. Uh, but the point is that you can't see it. It comes without notice. It comes all of a sudden and traps you. He's our refuge even in, when we are in that position. And also the terrors of night are, are hidden. Uh, verse 5a, it's like an ambush when, when you least expect it. Uh, the enemy comes and, and uh, attacks the terrors of the night. He's, he's a 24-7 refuge. He, he neither sleeps nor slumbers. Um, and also, there's another kind of danger mentioned in these verses. Um, and you'll see that in verse 3 and verse 6, you have the word pestilence. In, and verse 3, it can be like a, a sickness, um, something that's so silent and so hidden. Um, that, that overtakes you. 
uh, pestilence. Um, and uh, it can be also translated as the word plague. And, and we've, we're familiar with that in, uh, with COVID-19 and, and just a pandemic um, uh, overrunning the world. Um, but he's our refuge even in that. Um, uh, there's a commentator who said, walls cannot keep out the pestilence. Walls cannot keep out sickness and the plague, but God can. He's our refuge all around. All kinds of dangers. Um, he's all, all, all we need. He's all we need. Um, and then you have the wonderful picture of the hen covering um, uh, the chicken, right? The hen covering the chicken. Um, and and, and that, that picture shows us uh, I, I, I always found this a little interesting, like how are feathers, how are feathers um, a good protection? I mean, you look at a feather, like how's that going to protect you from anything? Maybe from the cold, that's about it. But uh, verse uh, 4 says, he will cover you with his pinions under his wings, you will find refuge. I don't know if you've eaten chicken wings, but there's a whole lot of flesh, well, kind of. There's some flesh and a whole lot of bone in there. It's this picture of the, the mother, the hen, uh, taking the chicks in when there's danger um, and, and, and covering them uh, with her strong wings. And also it's uh, in that situation, if there's danger, if there's a blow that's struck, it's going to hit the hen uh, and not the chicks. And God is our refuge in that way. He takes us in. He keeps us close in that. He's, he's that kind of a refuge for us. Um, then you have the picture of a shield and a buckler. Uh, a shield and buckler. Um, those are just two kinds of shields. Um, it's not your belt buckle. <laughs> That's not going to protect you. But a shield, think about like a, a big, almost full body size Roman shield that, uh, in, in the heat of battle. And a buckler is a smaller Captain America size shield that you can take around. And then you can attack with that because it's lighter. You know, you don't want to be carrying one shield with both hands. Well, and... You know, how are you going to fight with such a heavy shield? But he's a shield and a buckler. A time for defense. He's, strong, he's a strong defense. And even when we proceed in battle, he is still our shield. He's all we need. He's the only refuge that we need. Um, <clears throat> and so, uh, he's this varied protection. Uh, how many nations spend so much of their uh, budget on, on defense um, and, and having the best form of defense, uh, whether that's the Navy, or whether that's on land and the air. And Christ is all of those for his people um, in this battle that wages on Christ. And, and God is our refuge. Um, and, and you're wondering, how did this help? You know, I'm not going to fight a battle. Um, and and this, this, these verses are, are kind of used uh, in those ways, uh, by by veterans and and uh, by, by people that are out in the in the battlefield. If you've seen the movie uh, Saving Private Ryan, uh, you have the sniper uh, in the team, and he's reciting scripture to him himself, and that's Psalm 91 uh, as he as he's shooting the enemy. Uh, but so, how does this help me and us as we um, you know face another year ahead of us and and with, with things that are unknown. With, we don't know what's going to happen. Uh, but whatever happens, 
whatever kind of trouble, God is a sufficient refuge. He wants to be your refuge. Um, and probably uh, we're, we fear because of what we know is awaiting us. That's sometimes a greater fear. I know what's coming. And I can't help it. There's nothing I can do about it. God is a refuge. Uh, even in that. Um, and how, how, do you, how do you have God as your refuge? How do you take up your shield? How do you take up the shield against the enemies? And it's by trusting in God's faithfulness. You know, um, his faithfulness is a shield and buckler. Verse 4. Trusting in God's faithfulness. Um, I, sometimes trials that we go through in the past leave, uh, leave us with memories of how hard it was and how unexpectedly those things happened and how crazy it was. And what we forget is how near God was, how he enabled us to go through those trials and how he upheld us. God's faithfulness is a shield and buckler. The arm of flesh will fail you. Um, our, our defense is not how much we can plan ahead, our strategizing, our wealth, our family, anything. It's, it's, it's God. God is, is a perfect and plentiful refuge for us. Um, and he provides us with his faithfulness as a testimony. Um, and 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 we can, we can take up that shield of faith and depend upon his faithfulness and, and trust and move on. Faith expels fears. Faith, this, this faith in God's faithfulness expels our fear. Uh, Spurgeon, during his time, um, there was a plague um, during his lifetime and, and he, uh, he saw the, the devastation that it caused. And he, he said this, Faith by cheering the heart keeps it free from fear, which in times of pestilence kills more than the plague itself. And who knows what's, what's, what's in store for us? Um, or maybe you do know what's in store for you, and that scares you. Christ is your sufficient help. God is your sufficient refuge. He's a, he's, a, he's a perfect refuge that we can depend on. Um, and in verses 7 to 10, we find that God is also a personal refuge. There are some, some things in these verses that some may say, um, and even, even we could think that these are over-the-top claims. What is going on here? Is this even possible? This is too good to be true. And there's verses like um, verse 7, a thousand may fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. And, and another one in verse 10. No evil shall be allowed to befall you. No plague come near your tent. Those are very bold claims. Um, and, and, and these are the promises of protection that God makes uh, to his people. But for the, for the people of Israel, when they heard these, these statements, there were echoes of promises and of blessings and promises of curse that God made to them before they entered the land. Um, and, for example, Leviticus 26, and 
verses 7 and 8 says, You shall chase your enemies, and they shall fall before you by the sword. Five of you shall chase a hundred, and a hundred of you shall chase ten thousand, and your enemies shall fall before you by the sword. You see the, the, the big numbers there, the ten thousands? So there's echoes of these, if, if, if Israel obeys God in the land, they will receive this protection in war. Also, on the, on the flip side, if they disobey, there's a promised curse. Uh, there are promised curses like this one in Deut- Deuteronomy 28, 21. The Lord, if you disobey, if Israel, if Israel disobeyed, the Lord will make the pestilence stick to you until he has consumed you off the land that you are entering to take possession of it. The pestilence and the plagues that they saw in Egypt were promised to be poured out on them if they disobeyed God in the land. But how can the psalmist, and we don't know exactly when the psalm was written, but how can the psalmist be so bold in claiming all the blessings that God has promised? And um, I believe the answer is in verse 9. These are the blessings for those who have made the Lord their dwelling place, the Most High their refuge. Uh, It's by faith. It's by faith in God's provision that we receive the blessings. How can we receive these amazing blessings and not the curses? And the answer is, because we see this side of the cross, that the curses, the curse fell on Christ. In, in Galatians 3, uh, 23, Paul says, Christ, rede- Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For, for it is written, and he's quoting the Old Testament, cursed is, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Christ bore these promised curses on himself so that those who have gone to him for refuge may receive the blessings that were promised. That's what we have. Um, please don't go out and fight a thousand men now. That's, it's, it's talking about a final victory here. It's, it's talking about the victory that we will be a part of when Christ returns. And how do we know that? Because in, in verse 8, it says, you will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. We said that one of our enemies was the world, right? And the world is in constant rebellion. And it seems like ever-increasing, bold, uh, defiant rebellion against God and against Christ and against His people. But here is, is, is the promise that only with your eyes will you see the recompense of the wicked. In Revelation 19, you have the picture of Christ coming with a host on the horse, and for ready for battle, the scene, like, there's going to be a great battle now. But there's a sword that comes out of Christ's mouth, that is, with a word, he slays all his enemies. And what do we get to do? We get to see that. You know, We get to share in that victory by the word of Christ's power. He's such a great captain and a great refuge. One day Christ will return and judge all his enemies. For now, uh, his enemies seem like they have the upper hand. That's not going to be forever. The judgment is coming. When Christ returns, there will be rewards for his people and retribution for his enemies. And we will see that with our own eyes. It's coming. That's why we can, we can rest. This, this battle rages on, but the war is won. We already have the victory in Christ. It's given to us. We don't have to earn this somehow. 
All we got to do is by, by faith and trust in Him, carry on in His purposes. Um, so He's a He's a personal refuge, and this these these great promises are for those. Verse nine tells us who have made God their refuge, who have placed their faith in God, in Christ, who have run to Christ, who is the greatest refuge against eternal divine judgment. He's the only one who can save us from the wrath of God because he has taken it upon himself. And you receive this by faith. If you haven't trusted Christ, what is stopping you? It's The tsunami of God's judgment is coming. You need to hide. Hide in Christ. He is sufficient. And, and then we, even in, in verses 11 to 13, we don't end there. We move on uh, to God as a powerful refuge uh, in a different way. You know, um, it, it talks about all your ways. When you go along in all your ways in life, um, he will send his angels uh, concerning you. You know, the president has a, a place where he can hide in times of war from attacks. Um, so there are times when he needs that. But most of the time, he's, he's going on carrying out his presidential duties. And what's his protection then? It's a secret service, right? Well, God doesn't need a secret service, obviously. He gives us his secret service at our disposal, and those are his angels. We're not talking about one guardian angel here. It's talking about his angels. We don't know how many. But it, you know how many angels it took to destroy Sodom? Two. Yeah. Uh, but God gives his angels to protect us. And they'll carry us. And, and God's protection is so precise that even a pebble or a stone he will guard us from. Um, from striking. And, and this is um, God's promised protection for us. This is the degree to which he protects us. Um, you might notice that um, these are the verses that Satan used to tempt Christ in, his, in, in the wilderness after his baptism when Christ was taken to the wilderness to be tempted. And uh, these are the verses uh, that Satan used. Uh, you know, he, he took Christ on the pinnacle of the temple and said, Jump, for it is written that he will command his angels concerning you. Um, and Christ said, You shall not test um, God uh, you know, Satan should have kept reading before he quoted those verses because in the very next verse, verse 13 tells us about the end of even Satan, God's enemies. You know, you have the, the picture of the, the, the snake. An adder is not a person who adds numbers, but it's a snake. Uh, it's a deadly snake. And then uh, in the second part of that verse, the serpent, in some translations, is a dragon uh, as well. You find the serpent, or the snake in the, in, in the Garden of Eden, tempting, um, you know, being subtle. And in Revelation 12, you see the dragon with the seven heads. Same guy. Um, but he's going to be trampled. He's going to be trampled. Um, and the picture of a lion, Peter calls that the, the Satan's like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. A roaring, hungry lion. Uh, don't want to be around one of those. Um, and they, you know, this lion and the serpent are going to be trampled. You will tread the serpent um, and the lion um, under your feet as you go. 
um, Satan will be conquered. You know, Colossians 2 says that Jesus has triumphed over Satan on the cross. It says he disarmed the rulers and authorities. That's uh, words that describe the supernatural forces of evil. And put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Christ. And specifically his death on the cross. Uh, remember the promise that was made. Uh, the serpent shall bruise the woman's, the heel of the woman's seed. But the woman's seed, whose Christ shall bruise the head of the serpent. That's what happened on the cross. It was a death blow that was delivered to Satan. And Colossians 2, the verse that I just said, says that he's disarmed. In what way is he disarmed? Well, you remember, uh, we talked about Satan as the accuser of the brethren. He accuses us. There's that scene in Jeremiah as well, where he sees the vision and Satan is accusing him before God. He accuses us and rubs our sins in our faces um, and, and says, look, how God can you accept him? Have you seen the sins that he's done this week? Have you seen his thoughts or her thoughts? Well, Christ on the cross paid for all those sins, every last one of them, every thought, word, and deed. And, and he has borne the, the wrath of God for those, those sins of ours, every particular sin. Whenever Satan accuses us, we can say, that's, that's Christ dealt with that on the cross. That's paid for. We stand in the righteousness of Christ, not our own righteousness. And so Satan has been disarmed Already, he's like, um, you know, a snake when you, when you hit the head. Uh, they always say you should hit, hit a snake like four inches below its head. I don't know. I've heard this. I come from India. There's a lot of snakes, um, <laughs> apparently. So, like, uh, about four fingers below is where the heart is, and that will paralyze a snake because the tail will keep wiggling. And that's the devil. He's, he's received a death blow on his head. But the tail is, is, is wiggling, it's wagging. He is, he's still trying to disrupt God's work among God's people. He's deceiving the nations through false religions and such. And, and he will be thrown into the bottomless pit, as we know in Revelation 20 at the end. Um, and he will be completely destroyed. Whatever remaining work that he's trying to do now will be destroyed. Uh, but you know what's... Um, this verse says, you will tread the serpent and the lion. And uh, in, in Romans 16, at the end of Romans, which we'll get to soon, we're getting back to Romans, uh, Paul says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan. Where? Under your feet. We will be trampling Satan. We will share in Christ's victory, even over Satan. What an amazing God. What an amazing refuge. This is where you want to be. Under his wings. In his shadow is where you want to be. As you go about living your life in all your ways, caring about the different callings in your life, um, you know, God is protecting you. Rest is, is given to you. God's care is upon you as you go. He's a refuge that goes with us. And finally, um, if you remember, when I, in, in the beginning I asked you to notice the change of voice. And there's someone else speaking here in verses 14 to 16. Someone else is speaking. And 
um, you probably realize that it's, it's God speaking. And God is saying, I, I will, I will. He says that six times. There are six I wills in these three verses. Talking about God doing a certain action. Um, you know, it's, I will deliver him, 14. I will protect him. Verse 15, I will answer him. I will be with him. I will rescue him. And verse 16, I will satisfy him. Uh, and this, this shows us about God's willingness to be our refuge. He's not waiting for you to figure it out. Like, eh, you know, let's, let's see what this person has really got. If he's got enough faith, or if he has enough strength, or she has the ability to just, just do a little more in this battle. God is, is a proactive refuge. He's like the, the, son, the, the dad of that prodigal son when he returned. And, and, and the father saw him in a distance. He didn't wait. Oh, if he's come so far, let's see if he, well, let's see if he can make it all the way. You know? Let's see what he says. Let's see how good and sincere his apology is. You know, let's see if he's learned his lesson. He runs. He runs to that son. And when we, we are in trouble, God comes to our rescue. It's not just the angels. When we're in trouble and we call, God himself answers us. He himself comes to us to rescue us. Um, and he, he delights in being our refuge. It's not a burden for him. Again, again, this, this, this person messed up. Like how many times? Um, you know, they need to learn how to handle this. No. Uh, he's, he's, a, he's a loving father. Um, and we know him as that. And verse 14, um, these are the reasons why God does, does this for us. Because he holds fast to me in love. And because he knows my name. Um, this is for those who hold fast to God in love. Um, and, and who is that? It's just a handful of believers? No. If you have come to Christ, and if you have known the love of God, you love God. Um, and and these are, this is you if you, have, if you have tasted of his love. We love because he first loved us. He has poured out his love in our hearts by this Holy Spirit, Romans 5 says. We have already received the love of Christ in, in the forgiveness of our sins, in, in, in us being declared righteous, although we are sinners. Why would we not trust him with our battles? Um, he's such a great refuge for us. Why would we not continue to delight and, and love him and trust in him? Uh, he says, because he holds fast to me, I will deliver him and I will protect him. Deliverance and protection, rescue from our troubles and, and continued protection from those troubles because he knows my name, um, because he knows the name of God. Um, and and how, what, what name do we use for God? He's our Father, right? God, God our Father. Um, that's not just a, a theological title anymore. That's, that's a relational title of, of Father. Help me in this. 
Um, I remember, in, in, again, in, in school, in junior high, not being able to do the, the math, the fractions. Those always got me. And then I would go to my dad and I would be like, what? Like, how did he get that? Um, and, and he would solve those things. And, and whenever a child is in trouble, the dad and, and, and the parents are drawn to help that child. That's our father uh, for us. We know him by name. He's given us the right to be called his children. And we have the right to call him Abba and Father. All through faith in Christ. Those who believed in Christ, he gave them the right. And in Christ we have this, we know God in this way. Uh, when we call, he will answer. Uh, and he will come to us in our trouble. You know, the kind of refuge that God is, is one that comes to us. He's a refuge that comes to us in our battle. Isn't, isn't that who Christ is? God in Christ has come to us in the midst of a fallen world. A, a world that has sinned against him and, and is, is guilty, all of us. But God comes to us, born into this world. Born in Mary's womb. <clears throat> born um, with, with flesh and bone. Um, you know, born, as it says, under the law. For our sakes. God is drawn towards us in trouble. He's not scared of messes. Um, he takes great joy in delivering us. Um, he will rescue us with long life. Uh, verse 16 says, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. With long life. Um, that was what was promised to Israel in the land. If they obeyed, they would have long life in the land. Um, this was the promise that was given to them. And this is, again, given to us, not because we're so great at obeying, but because we have come to Christ, and Christ has come to us, and we are in Him. The curses have fallen on Him, and the promised blessings are pouring on us like, like rain. Ah, doesn't mean much in Southern California, but like the biggest rain that you can imagine is His blessings that poured out on us because His curse fell on Christ. That is our God. He is a refuge for us. Um, he is faithful to us. He's stronger than the flesh um, and whatever doubts we may have. Perhaps that's our greatest struggle is, is trusting that God can be this for us. Is that trust in Him? Um, you know, and, and, and doubt fills our heart, but He's a refuge for us. His faithfulness uh, is our shield. He's protection against the world and, and He is the one who will judge the world. He is also um, the condemner of Satan. He's the one who has dealt the death blow to Satan. And we will share in his victory when he comes. And one day, Satan will be trampled under our feet as we share in this victory of Christ. Let's pray. <clears throat> God, we are um, humbled and, and, and filled with joy uh, as we think about how great a refuge you are for our, for our situations and our troubles. Um, Lord, that you are a perfect refuge. You are a powerful refuge for us. You are our personal refuge. Uh, thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ and, and his work on the cross for us, in which we are saved from the wrath 
uh, of God against our sins. And we are uh, being lavished with the blessings that you have promised. Um, it's in his name we, that we pray. Amen.